Today, I can't believe I finally get to bring to the show a woman that I knew virtually before we ever actually met in person, and that was well over a decade ago. She is an extraordinary woman that I first got to know through the CrossFit world, but in the intervening years, we have gotten to know each other so much more and at much deeper levels. And in addition to being an incredible athlete and photographer, she is up to so much more in the world, and she has a remarkable story about an event that happened in her life that really changed how she moved through the world and really how she viewed herself. It's an incredible story. It's not a story about violence, but it is a story about transformation and about finding yourself and about creating an incredible life that is really the life that is the life for you, not for anybody else. And I think you're going to absolutely love hearing from her. Here we go. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast, the show that tackles the subject of women and violence head on and shines the light of what women need to know and do to be safe. Here's your host, fourth degree black belt and self-protection expert, Cynthia Gillicourt. Welcome to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Today I am super excited and very honored to bring on as a guest a woman who has been a friend of mine for close to a decade now and who was one of the first people that I thought about when I was thinking about extraordinary women who have amazing stories about being powerful and being courageous. Leah is many things. She is a realtor, a photographer, an inspirational speaker, a CrossFit coach, a mom, and a wife. She suffers from alopecia, but says now that there's really no longer any suffering because she uses her boldness to help her stand out, and she's a stronger person for it. So I think you're really going to enjoy this show because she's got some great stories to tell and some great insights to share. So with that, I just want to say welcome, Leah, and thank you for coming on the Born to be a Badass podcast. Thank you, Cynthia. I can't believe it's been 10 years. Holy moly. <laughs> Time flies. Sure does. It's been quite a journey, hasn't it? It has. The last 10 years for both of us from when we first met through CrossFit have been pretty action-packed and we've had, you know, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Yeah, definitely. But I guess that's life, isn't it? It is indeed. Well, I would like to start off our conversation with a lightning round of questions. All right. So... Are you ready? Fire away. Okay. What is the most recent book that you've read? The most recent book that I read, I'm actually reading um, Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand right now. I generally have about five or six books going on at any given moment. So they kind of all run together, but I, uh, I spend my car rides listening to books. I wake up in the morning and I read a little bit of a book. Um, before I go to bed, I read a little bit of another book. So I, I have lots of books going on right now, so that's kind of a hard, hard one to answer. <laughs> Is your morning book the same as your bedtime book? No. My morning book, generally, I'm trying to learn something, and then my nighttime book is some kind of smut or easy reading or <laughs> something along those lines. Do you want to share what that currently is? <laughs> it's actually, um, uh, crap. What is it? It's Olivia Oliphant and I am fine or something like that. <laughs> That's the title. Yes. Yes. And it, it's, it's interesting. It's it's about a woman that doesn't fit well into social situations, and she's had a really rough life, and she's learning how to fit into society. So it's it's a pretty good one. Oh, that sounds cool. And it's Eleanor Oliphant. It's just fine. All right. I may put that on my list because I'm always yeah. looking for good books to read. That's a good one. What is your current favorite podcast? 
No, I have not listened to any podcasts recently. I think the last time I listened to a podcast, it was Serial, and I loved it. But I, I tend to check in with Joe Rogan and see what he's got going on there. That's about it as far as podcasts go. Something that you have done or experienced in your life that you never in a million years would have imagined when you were back in high school. <laughs> Most of my life. <laughs> I've tended to do whatever kind of floats my boat. And I whatever is exciting to me at the time, I tend to head in that direction. And I guess I thought I would be working in a medical setting of some sort, either a doctor's office or in a hospital or rehab of some sort um, in a more clinical setting. And I've never actually worked inside of an office until the past eight months. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So what's your morning routine? I wake up at 4.50 every day, and then there is a 5 a.m. call. And I call in, and it's just five minutes of inspiration to get me moving and kind of tackle my day. And then I feed my puppy dogs and make myself a pot of coffee. And then I journal and read a chapter or two of whatever book I'm trying to better myself with. Sometimes I write in my blog, although I've had a bit of a writer's block lately. I haven't done too much of that. Um, I meditate. I was working out, but I was working out by myself, and that's not very fun. So I started going to the later classes. And then I get ready for work and go sell real estate. Wow, what a great start to the day. That's the kind of start that I aspire to and never quite managed to do. Yeah, that, it started back when I had the gym and I had to do the 5.30 a.m. class. And instead of just stumbling in with my coffee and barely awake, I started getting up earlier so I could be awake for that class. And um, it just kind of fell into place, each of those parts, and it just stuck with me. And it, it's just part of what I do now. Part of the rhythm of the day now. Yeah, it is. I feel kind of lost when I don't do it. Do you also have a nighttime routine? No, I I tend to flop on the sofa at about (laughs) 8 o'clock and veg out. My brain's had enough by then. Yeah, I'll bet. Okay, one last quick question. So what piece of advice do you wish you'd been given when you were in your 20s? That you'll figure it out. just because you don't know what you want right now, you'll figure it out. It's okay. I was very worried about not knowing who I was going to be when I grow up. I still don't know who I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> but I'm okay with it now. Yeah, that resonates with me too. Yeah. Okay, well, so the people can get to know you and kind of know what your path has been. Can you take me through sort of a brief walk through how you got here, where you started? Let's just start with childhood. Where did you grow up and what kind of family and what sorts of things did you experience that either helped or hindered your sense of your own power and your ability to be courageous? Well, I, um, I grew up on the eastern shore of Maryland, and it's a, it's a small town, but I had Lots of kids, and we all just played outside all the time. You know, we did not come inside until we had to come inside. And we played in the marsh and explored and just played all the time. And um, my dad left when I was seven. And from then on, I really did not have much of a father figure. I would always have one best friend, and since my mom was a single mom, she wasn't home a whole lot because she had to work, and she waited tables to raise us. 
And so I would spend a lot of my time with my best friends. And my one best friend, Amy, her dad was an English teacher. And he pretty much helped my love of writing and reading and was the only real father figure that I had. He was a wonderful man. And then in geometry class, my senior year, I met my husband, Jason. And he was my best friend. And he begged me for about nine months to go out with him. Pretty relentlessly. (laughs) Persistent man. Very, very persistent. And I would tell him no, that he was my best friend, but I would marry him. But I didn't want to date him because I didn't want to lose my best friend. But eventually I gave in. I was like, all right, whatever. And so we've been together ever since. So we've been married 26 years now. And I would say he is the biggest reason I'm as strong as I am. He's not let me be anything but. (laughs) (laughs) He likes to push me towards my goals because I will put on the brakes scary and he doesn't allow me to uh, not pursue them. So it's a pretty amazing thing. So how does he do that? Um, he makes me tell him what I want, or I just tell him what I want. Because I'm very whimsical, and, you know, I have all these big dreams and goals and, and things. And he helps me to break them down and see them. And when I start, you know, getting lazy or fighting back, he gets me back in the direction I was headed. I'm exceptionally hard-headed, and especially when it comes to him, I'm I'm resistant, so I kind of fight him a little bit. I always know when I'm fighting him, it's the fear that's fighting him. It's not me that's fighting him. And he's, you know, he's pushing me towards what I want, so why am I resisting? (laughs) Right, he's not pushing you towards what he wants. He's pushing you in the direction you said you wanted to go. Exactly. Exactly. And he's always let me pursue my passions and my my goals. That's awesome. I don't know very many people. In fact, I'm thinking I may know one, possibly two couples who actually met in high school and got married and are still married. That is an extraordinary thing. Congratulations to both of you, because I'm sure the road has not been smooth all the time. No, not at all. It's never easy, but I'm one that thinks that if it's easy, it's not worth it. you got to work for what you want. So. Right, and I mean, we don't ever get given exactly what we need in the first place anyway. I don't think we'd know what to do with it if it was handed to us. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, share with me a little bit about your education. What was your educational path like, like beyond geometry class? Well, I I made it through high school, and I went to one year of college where they kicked me out. I was much more interested in partying than I was in uh, actual studying. I made it through one year of that, barely. And then I waited tables and bartended and then decided that that just wasn't going anywhere, and I became a massage therapist. So I was a massage therapist for about 14 years. And through that is how I discovered CrossFit and taking care of myself. And instead of me taking care of people, I had the tool to teach people how to take care of themselves. And so I became a CrossFit coach. And on and off, I've taken classes and worked towards a degree of some sort, but I never really knew what I wanted at the end of it. So I never really pursued it any further than that. And since then, I've become a realtor. Well, I think that, I mean, you may have stopped going to college and going to formal college classes, but you haven't stopped educating yourself. I think that the different activities that you've dived into and the different professions that you've gone into, you have gone into that Partly because there was a lot to learn. You're one of the people who just 
is constantly seeking out things to learn and new things to discover and new ways to connect to what you already know. And it sounds to me as though like a lot of what you have really focused on is bettering yourself and giving other people the tools to improve themselves in their own lives. Is that right? Yeah. I think my goal, even as a child, was to help people. I've always wanted to help people. That's, that's just when I was asked as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I just want to help people. And I, so I couldn't really define how I was going to help them. And so when I look back through everything that I've done, it's always been to help other people. And me learning about myself helps me to help other people. So Yeah, that's great. Tell me about some of your other careers. I know you've had several. <laughs> wow. I think massage therapy was my longest run. And then I owned and operated a CrossFit affiliate for 10 years. And I would wow. say that that was my love. That was my baby. And I will always love that. I still coach. I, I just fill in here and there. Um, when I moved to Florida, I pursued photography and I've done some weddings and all kinds of um, portraits and those sorts of things. And I did that for about two years. I felt like I was losing my creative aspect to it, trying to make it my business. Mm -hmm. And so real estate had always been there. Jason and I bought, I don't know if you all remember this, but Carlton Sheets, the infomercial, you can buy homes and flip them way back, way back when. So probably like 95, we bought that and it was way over our heads and we didn't know what we were doing, so nothing came of it. But I've always been interested in real estate and I love houses. And so that's kind of always been there. And back when I did still live in Maryland, I uh, started looking into getting my real estate license then as well. And then... Flash forward to last year, I was exceptionally bored. And Jason's like, well, why don't you get your real estate license now? I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. Again, <laughs> he pushed me towards something that I kind of always wanted to do, but never did. Right. And here I am. And. I really enjoy it. It's definitely a challenge, and every aspect of it is challenging. I'm always up for a good challenge. <laughs> well, yeah, let's let's pause there for a little bit and talk about some of the challenges. So, I mean, we could go in reverse order, or we could go chronologically forward. You know, your your choice. Well, with each one, I've pretty much started from scratch and taught myself how to do everything. It seems. <laughs> and, well, I, I've never really wanted to work for somebody else. I have a little bit of control issues, I believe. <laughs> so I've always wanted to be my own boss. And so starting out with massage is when I started my own business. I worked in a spa for, I would say, about six months. And I realized that I could do this for myself and not have to report to somebody else. And so that's what I did. And I pretty much winged it and I opened my massage therapy practice and it treated me very, very well for a long time until I decided to open a CrossFit. And once I discovered CrossFit, I engulfed that website. I spent hours upon hours upon hours watching the videos and learning what it was, how to do this, because I was not athletic at all. I, I didn't know any of these things. I barely even set foot in a gym. That's really so. hard to believe, knowing where you are now. <laughs> yes, I was not athletic. <laughs> but now I can say that I'm an athlete. I pretty much taught myself how to do that. And in the process, I've taught a lot of other people how to do that and changed a lot of lives. That's, that's important to me. What was the hardest part about 
selling your CrossFit box and moving to Florida. The people leaving my community, they, they were wonderful, and they still are wonderful, and I hope they miss me terribly, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they yeah. do. Yeah, they they were great. Um, but it was it was time. I I was sick of the cold and I'd had enough and I was ready for a new adventure. And I found Destin and I love it. So did you already have a connection in, in Florida or like how did you wind up there? What prompted that um, big change? My husband, Jason, was ready for a new job, and my boys had already been in the maritime industry. And so he was like, yeah, maybe I can do that. So we drove to Louisiana looking for a job for him in shipping. And we'd never been through Destin before. I didn't even really know it existed. And so we decided on the way home to come the way that we'd never been. And we came home through Destin. And stayed in Miramar Beach, which is right next door. And we spent three days drinking beer, floating around in the Gulf. And I was like, this is it. This is where I need to be. It's magical. And so wow. I went, I went home and sold my gym and packed all my shit and moved to Florida. I did, just I, like that. Yep. I didn't know a soul here. I just knew that this is where I wanted to be. So that's what it did. And then we bought our house and it was just going to be like our vacation home until Jason found a job. And my son and I came down to fix it up because it was a complete shit shack. And while we were here there, Jason got a phone call and got a job in Vienna. So I never went back home to Maryland. And then my other son packed up all of our things and moving truck and moved it down and we went to work. So he was working in Louisiana and you were in Florida? And that's how it is now, yes. So prior, he was a caretaker, so he never left the property unless I made him. So he lived and worked and existed there. And then we moved to Florida and he gets a job in Louisiana. And so he's gone for a month and then home for two weeks. So it's opposite of what we've lived our whole lives. So I've learned how to live by myself, which I kind of mm -hmm. dig. Mm -hmm. I can relate. <laughs> I'm kind of doing that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I'm, I've always been pretty independent. So that part of it is fine. I do miss him. But after about two weeks, I'm ready for him to go back. Fine. <laughs> after 26 years, it was time for him to have his own place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I would think that making a change of that magnitude, you know, in so many different dimensions, because it wasn't just the location, but it was like you said, like he went from having this wonderful community that was your community and very supportive. and you know, a lifestyle that you'd had for a long time and having your husband home to a completely new environment where you didn't know anybody, brand new house that needed a lot of work. And then your husband, who's always been home, is all of a sudden hardly ever home. To me, that would have been a really daunting period of time. One, I'm sure, where there would have been a lot of anxiety or nervousness or fear about things and, you know, a lot of opportunities to dig in and discover some power and some courage. Can you share a little bit about that? I didn't think about it too much. I knew that when I found a CrossFit, I would find friends and that happened. But it did take me a while to get out and get to one because I was working on the house a lot. And I think I didn't have a whole lot of time to think about it until the holidays. So July, we moved. September, Jason started working, got him all set up. Like just the whole function of life getting changed didn't slow down until the holidays. And that first Christmas Thanksgiving was hard because all three of my boys were gone. 
and you know, my family's in Maryland, my gym family's in Maryland, and here I am all by myself. Haven't really met anybody yet. Um, couple neighbors. So that, that one was really, really hard. I remember crying and being pretty, pretty despondent for a little while, thinking, what the hell did I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, why, why am I here? Why did I do this? You know, because I took full responsibility because I definitely right. did this. And then, you know, I, I got over myself and got out and joined the gym and uh, started making some friends and going down to the beach and just sitting there and realizing, yeah, this is where I need to be. There's nothing like it. That's really interesting because I think that happens to us a lot where we've got this great idea about I'm going to do this or I'm going to go here and and we do it and then we get into it you know and like the honeymoon period sort of disappears and then real life hits and like we're actually there in that situation that we wanted and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god why did I want yeah and so you know that (laughs) doubt and the and the questioning about like was I crazy when I decided I wanted to do this or you know was I nuts or was I just stupid or Being in that time of just really questioning, like, oh, my gosh, why am I here? Why did I do this? Why didn't I stay back there where at least, you know, maybe I wasn't super happy, but I I knew I had certain resources and at least it was comfortable because it was it was normal. Yeah. You know, and then after that, we make it through that phase of being despondent and questioning and doubting whether or not we made the right decision. And we get up and we get active and we start engaging. And especially like you just said, like, you know, have a reminder of why it was that we made this choice in the first place. Then we get to the other side of it. It's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was not crazy. I had good reasons. And this was the right thing. And then we can kind of pick up momentum and start moving forward again. So it sounds as though that's really what you went through was that the joy of the change. And then the, oh, crap, what did I do? The low side of it. Yeah. yeah, and then coming out the other side by finding people, finding activities, and, and reconnecting to why you wanted to be there in the first place. Yes, and it was all about growth and change. And I, I feel that if you don't push those boundaries, you don't change and you don't grow. And, and life is about growth. Without without growth, you know, you're going backwards. and That's not where you want to go. Yeah, or you just stay where you are and you kind of wilt away or stagnate. Yes. Stagnation breeds disease. Yes, it does. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your family, your adult family. You mentioned having sons. Like, when when did they come into the picture? What was that like going from being a young couple that had been dating since high school to all of a sudden being parents? Well, my uh, husband decided that he was going to join the Air Force, and so he did, and when he was in basic training, I went and visited him, and I guess he was a little extra happy to see me, (laughs) (laughs) and I ended up getting pregnant with twins. Oh, my. And so, yes, we were stationed in North Dakota, and I'm thinking, oh, Hawaii, California, Florida, somewhere warm (laughs) and wonderful, North Dakota, the frozen tundra, is where we were spent. So for four years, I was there. And um, in the meantime, I had my boys, Brian and Drew, and uh, they were two months premature. They had to fly me to Bethesda Naval Hospital to have them. Oh, my. And it was it was quite an ordeal. They were in the same sack together in the Boards wrapped around sometimes. sometimes. <gasps> Yikes. Yeah, so they are in the medical journals. There were 21 people in my operating room. Yeah. <laughs> so if I do things, I do them right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one thing to go from having no children to having two. I mean, that's a big enough transition in itself. But to have actually the process be like that is mind-boggling. Like, how did you get through that? 
I don't know. I think I blocked a lot of it out. (laughs) I was very scared. And um, luckily, they did send me to Bethesda, which is close to my family. So my mom and my my in-laws could come and visit me and and talk me through it. But I was I was more terrified of the IV than anything. I don't know why, but just in my head, having an IV scared me to death. I've never been in the hospital really or had anything like that done. And mm-hmm. I was always terrified of needles. But I was there on bed rest for almost two months and uh, my roommate and I were in kind of in the same boat. Her amniotic sac had ruptured so she couldn't really move and her poor baby was born with broken bones. Oh but man. We were we we got to bond and be there together and pretty much go through the whole scary part together. And then the boys were born and they were there for a month. We got to come home on Christmas Day. Oh, how cool. <laughs> yeah. And then we packed them up and drove to North Dakota the next day. Oh, my gosh. So you, you had two brand new infants in North Dakota in the winter. Welcome to motherhood. Yes. Thank God for my neighbors in the military because they were amazing and they helped me so much. I've always had these angels kind of show up in my life when I needed them most. And even if it's in the airport, when the three of us flew home by ourselves, people would come out of the woodwork to help me. It's just amazing. And so I have lots of angels that help me through the tough spots. I feel very mm-hmm. fortunate in my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's wonderful. They're amazing boys, smart, hardworking, and all three of, I guess they're all men now. They're 25. So my two boys and my husband, they all do yeah. the same thing. So they're all engineers on dredges, and they leave and come and go. And But we're all here in Florida for the most part. Oh, that's great. And yeah. they're in their they're in their mid to late twenties now. You said, yeah, they're twenty five. Perfect, halfway to fifty yeah. as we count in my family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Damsel in Defense. Damsel in Defense creates products that allow you to enhance your safety through items that you either carry on your person in one of your bags or purses or something that you can keep in your home or in your car. Damsel also is involved in fighting human trafficking by creating Damsel houses. Currently, there are two, one in Cambodia and one in India where girls are rescued from sex trafficking and they are given housing and shelter and helped to form a plan to build new lives and no longer have to sell their bodies. So the goal for Damsel is to have a home in every country that their partner organization, which is called Destiny Rescue, is rescuing in. I became a Damsel rep not because I really wanted to sell self-defense products, but because so many of my clients wanted to buy them and I wanted to a, give them a good vehicle to buy products that I knew were good quality products that were workable. And B, because I wanted to be able to provide them the training to actually learn how to use those products and be realistic about when they can and cannot be helpful. So I became a Damsel in Defense Pro. And if you are interested in checking out their products, which cover a wide variety of things, everything from stun guns and pepper sprays to coupons and striking batons, tactical pens, you can access products from Damsel through my website by going to CynthiaJolicoeur.com slash resources. And that's where I have highlighted a few of the products that I really appreciate and think are a good value. So check those out if you're interested. And remember, you don't have to be a damsel in distress. You can protect yourself and can get some help in doing that through Damsel in Defense. So I guess another question that I have is I, I know that there was a pretty significant change in your life when you lost your hair. Can you share a little bit about what happened and what that was about and kind of where you are with that part of your journey now? Sure. 
So I have alopecia, and actually both of my boys have it as well. So all three of us are just as bald as can be. Alopecia is an autoimmune disease where your immune system attacks your hair follicle. And there's all sorts of ranges of this. And sometimes you'll just see little round circles on the scalp. Or sometimes some people just be missing an eyebrow or that kind of thing. And it ranges all the way up to universalis, which we have. And that is total loss of all body hair. Head to toe. I don't have to worry about shaving. None of it. Good to go. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it, it happened when I was 35. I was putting my hair in a ponytail to go to the gym. And I looked in the mirror and thought, well, that's kind of weird. And I looked over both of my ears and it was smooth and bald. I was like, it normally doesn't look like that. I think normally there's hair there. I started feeling around and then there was a big patch in the back that was smooth and bald. And so I got on the computer and started Googling hair loss, and alopecia came up. I had no idea what it was, but I do remember that it said that only 3% have universalis, and usually it grows back. So I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but at least I won't have that. And uh, so I called my husband, falling, and he's like, calm down, all right, call the dermatologist, and so I did, and I went, and there's very little research into it, because it's not deadly, it's not painful, and so there's very little money in it as to, you know, why it happens, and so their only fix is steroid shots into your scalp, and I suffered Suffered through that one and realized that I'm never doing that again because I don't care about my hair that much. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I left there and this was in July. By my birthday in September, I couldn't hide it anymore. I was like pulling it down on the sides and wearing a baseball cap and couldn't really tell. But by September, the it was just coming out in clumps in the bathroom and breaking my heart. You know, I felt, oh my God, nobody can see me bald. Jason can never see me bald. I'm never going to be sexy. Be ugly. This is horrible. And on my birthday, my friends and I drank a lot of Southern Comfort and sat in the bathroom and cried. First gave me a mohawk. And shaved it the rest of the way off. <laughs> I couldn't imagine a better way for it to go than surrounded with my friends. They all accepted me and loved me anyway. I had been crossfitting at this point, and uh, I I wore a bandana because I I thought I looked weird in a baseball cap and I looked like a cancer patient. So you know, bandana is so much better. Because <laughs> I tried a wig once, and it was miserable, so I wasn't going to wear a wig. No. So I, w- I would take off the bandana when I worked out. This was hot, and it just got away. And uh, so I was used to being in the gym and around people, and they, you know, they just, that was Leah. But going in public was different. And let me tell you, it's still pretty different. The first time I took off my bandana, I sat in the grocery store parking lot in my car, summoning up the courage to go in there without my bandana. I took it off, and I went in. I'm walking down the aisles, everybody's staring at me. Looking back now, I had on booty shorts and a little tank top and tall socks. <laughs> no wonder everybody's staring at me. Maybe they weren't looking at your head. <laughs> Probably looking at my butt. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> and so I get through the grocery store and I get up to the teller and she's like, Oh my God, 
thank goodness you finally took that thing off your head. <laughs> you like, oh, all right. <laughs> so that was that, and that was the last time I ever wore a bandana. And how long ago was that? I would say that was nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. So do you still get that people staring reaction, or what happens yes. when you go out now? Every, well, I get hugs and prayers and love. Um, everybody wants to pray for me because they all think I have cancer. But I, I educate them, and I, I think I'm just very approachable. I always have a smile on my face, and I always make eye contact with people. Mm-hmm. So when they're staring at me, they have no option but to know that I'm staring at them. <laughs> 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 that I see them staring at me, should I say. And so they come up to me, and, and I think everybody has been touched by cancer. And so it's a way to relate to me. And so I think that's what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. make a connection with me. And they they all are either I had cancer or my mom had cancer or my aunt had cancer. And so I explain to them that, no, I don't have cancer. I have alopecia and what it is. And, and they hug me. and go on their way, but it, it's definitely interesting to walk around any public facility with me. Mm-hmm. They, they flock to me. Well, and I mean, you got to be honest, people flock to you whether you have hair or not, Leah, because you're Leah and you have that kind of presence, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're just flocking well, more now. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> My face is red. <laughs> So, you know, how did this whole experience of going from being you know, an ordinary looking woman with a full head of hair to being a bold woman in her prime, how did that affect your self-confidence and your sense of your own power? It, I think because my boys lost their hair, it helped me find my confidence and to be strong. I don't know if I would have reacted the same way had they not been going through it as well. Because I felt like I had to be strong. They couldn't see me be upset about it because that would give them an opportunity to be upset about it and not be able to embrace it. And like, I think the most, the, the turning point was when I was, I was really upset one day and I was talking to Jason about it and he said, Leah, it's your head. It's always been there. You can just see it now. He's <laughs> like, huh. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, stop making it bigger than it has to be. Like, I know, but it it makes me different. He's like, Leah, you are different. You just are different. And this just makes you more different and stand out more. And you always like to be the center of attention. So here you go. (laughs) I can see that and I can understand that. And then there's, there's also this part of me that's like, yeah, but for a woman, like her hair is kind of her glory. No, I mean, we associate so much femininity with having a head of hair, you know, and I think for your boys to lose their hair is like no big deal because, I mean, guys are bald all the time, right? It's kind of like normal, even if they were kind of young. But I think for a woman, there's some different, different aspects. Like how, how did it affect your sense of yourself as a woman? Well, I'd always been attached to my hair. I was not allowed to cut my hair until I was in sixth grade. So I've always had like super long hair and the solid gold dancer that had all the long hair. I wanted to be her and I would spend so much time. But at that point in my life, it was getting to the point where it was going gray and I had to color it all the time. I wanted it straight. And ever since I had the kids, it was curly and it just never would do what I wanted it to do. And it was becoming kind of a pain in the ass. And so 
on one hand, I was super upset to lose it and lose that part of my womanhood. But on the other hand, it certainly made life easier. Mm-hmm. I, didn't have, I didn't have to blow dry it and straighten it and color it. And all of the things that I did every single day definitely freed up some time. But but yeah, and and I still have my moments, you know. Ten years in, and you know, sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish I had my hair. And I I want to blend it sometimes, but I can't. You know, it just it doesn't work unless I get a wig, which I probably. Although I did on Christmas wear a pink wig. (laughs) (laughs) That blends right in, doesn't it? It's just not my nature. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> That's great. So, well, I got some more questions for you. No, all do right. You, uh, do you feel like you've already accomplished what you're here on Earth to do? No. Why not? I I, I don't feel like I've touched enough lives. I. I want to be able to talk to more people and let them know that their appearance doesn't define them, that they can be so much more than than their perceived flaws or their perceived problems, that it really comes from their heart and their soul and their drive, that what their outer appearance is isn't what matters what you do with your life not what you look like yeah oh I love that and is that a message that you're bringing through your motivational speaking yes yes that that is that is my goal to spread the word that way so I've I've joined the Toastmasters I'm, I'm working on developing my talks and I would love to to go and speak with groups of women and men, you know, anybody that, that has self-esteem issues and, and help with confidence. Because if you have confidence, it will carry you through anything because you have to believe in yourself. And once you believe in yourself, everyone else has to because they have no choice because you already do. Yeah. And that's, that's fascinating that you said that because my next question to you was, what do you think are the most important skills for young women or girls to learn before they leave home? Confidence. And I think you just answered that before I even asked the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel like you learned some of that as a child or has this all come, you know, over the years of dealing with the, the challenges? No, I, I did not have, well, I may have had a little bit of confidence, but not really. I always felt like I kind of hung back. My best friend was always a more dominant figure than myself. And maybe I learned through them how to do it a little bit. And like each person in my life, I learned a little bit more. And then this was like, there you go. It's either going to make you or break you. Mm-hmm. Definitely made me. Well, yeah, goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's really, that's fascinating. And again, you kind of led me right into what my next question was going to be, which is, what does personal power mean to you? And how do you think that you build it? Like, what can you do to build power in yourself number one you need to educate yourself you need to to read and you need to meditate and you need to learn who you are i think that being with yourself is so important i think so many people will latch on to other people to help drag them through life. You really need to go inside yourself and know that you've got the power. You've got all the strength inside of you. 
You just have to kind of dig around and find it because it's there. You have everything you need. Cultivate it. You know, read books, get in nature, meditate. Be okay being by yourself. Mm -hmm. And even doing just like small projects that you don't think you can do. YouTube that shit. You can figure out how to do anything on, on YouTube. You know, and, uh-huh. and that will build confidence because you're learning how to do things for yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm thinking back to towards the beginning of the conversation when you mentioned that being in your, your area of comfort, you know, your comfort zone is not really where you build your power. It's stepping out of that and trying things that are a little bit scary. Absolutely. That, that's where change happens is right outside of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go in there and hang out a little bit, but you got to keep stepping out of it so you can grow and and get stronger. And it helps to have a partner or a friend who can give you a little judicious encouragement and prodding when you're Absolutely. being a little cautious. Or <laughs> Absolutely. I would not be where I'm at without people pushing me. Because I, you know, I, I put on this big, strong front. I'm a big chicken. I think we're all big chickens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I might have just a little less fear than your average Joe. But <laughs> I, um, I definitely need a little nudge. And, and I think that that is why I'm a good coach. Because I, I like to nudge and push. And let you know that it's going to be all right. It's scary there, but let's push a little bit. Let's change. Let's grow. And actually, that's one of the things about a truly awesome coach, which you are, which is when you see more in somebody than they can see in themselves. And the same thing, when somebody else sees a little bit more in you than you can see in yourself, like that's where you get the encouragement and that's where the perfectly timed piece of come on you can do it why don't you just try it mm-hmm. that little that little nudge can make all the difference but it takes somebody who sees something a little bit more than you do at the time yes i i believe everybody needs a coach and there's not just one kind of coach there's so many different coaches because we're so deep of people you know there's so many layers to us and you've got to constantly be working on those things. I definitely believe in coaching, having coaches. I've had them a long time. Jason seems to think he's my coach, but I don't know. Well, you've got a personal <laughs> lifetime coach right there. <laughs> lifetime point. I do. <laughs> what other I kinds do. of coaches have you worked with? I'm working with a real estate coach right now. I... um I've had a life coach and I've had a business coach. So when you don't know, you don't know, but somebody else does. You got to reach out and find out. So what do you think the role of courage plays in your life and how do you develop courage? Well, I, I think hmm, you've stumped me. maybe because I don't feel courageous people think I'm courageous but I I I don't fear a lot of things I I fear success and stepping out of my comfort zone but like to jump out of an airplane or do those sorts of things I'm not afraid of those I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe in. I, uh, I, I'm not afraid of pissing people off. Uh huh. <laughs> Granted, I don't like when people are mad at me. Right. <laughs> I don't like that at all. And, uh, but I, I understand that everybody's coming from a different point of view. And not everybody's going to agree with me and my point of view, and I'm not going to agree with their point of view, and that's okay. They come from a completely different 
set of eyes and experiences in life. The, the courageous thing's gotten stumped. Yeah, I find that fascinating because I think that you're a very courageous woman. I think looking at your history and my gosh, I mean, just even the things that we've talked about today, there's so many situations there that took a great amount of courage to actually say, you know what? Yep. I'm going to do it. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to move forward. You know, the whole, my golly, having two twins being on bed rest for two months and having twins and then going back to Idaho, that takes some courage there. You know, North and, Dakota. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, North Dakota. One of those places that's yeah. really cold in the <laughs> wintertime. <laughs> really cold. <laughs> you know, and then just picking up stakes and moving to Florida and starting a new career in real estate in your 40s and dealing with the massive change that losing your hair brought. I mean, all of those things take a tremendous amount of courage. And I, I think maybe you don't see it because you do have now such confidence in your ability to cope with things and to get through really difficult times, which is probably why CrossFit really appealed to you. I think CrossFit definitely helps grow that in me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I definitely think that that made me feel strong, made me be strong. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we used to joke in CrossFit about sort of living in the pain cave and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that's in the that's in the physical realm and the mental realm. But I I do think that that contributes to being able to be courageous when you're faced with something that you know is going to be really hard. You can just say, "Well, I know it's going to suck." And it's going to take a while, and it's going to be painful. And I also know that I've already gone through hard, painful things, so I can get through this too. I agree with that 100%, because it will end. You get through the other side. Once you're on the other side, you're better for it. Yeah. So there's one other question that I want to ask you before we wrap this up. Which is that I know that you have something special going on that's your Finding Beautiful project. Yes. Tell me yes. about that. So I am a photographer. And um, so I have this project where I take women or men. I haven't found any men yet that want to participate. But I have them tell me their story and how they do not feel beautiful, and how they've not felt beautiful. And then I take photos of them, and make them feel beautiful, and show them how beautiful they really are through my eyes. And then I, I publish their story along with my photos. And um, so, my little way of giving back, and um, making people feel beautiful. If anybody would like to participate and come to Florida, <laughs> please contact me. Yeah, we'll be including the ways to contact you and find you on social media. We'll put all of that in the show notes, too, so that people can follow up with you. Because, you know, I've seen some of your photography, and it's just gorgeous. Thank just you. Gorgeous. Yeah. So I think you also have sort of a, an additional Finding Beautiful line that you also shoot? My tell me about that. Yes, tell yes. me about that. That's my absolute favorite. I uh, love photographing, I guess, women in underwear. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much fun. Um, and it, it, it helps women feel sexy and and just feel comfortable in their own skin because, you know, it's, it's your body. It's, it's what you got, you know, and, um, usually about the first 10 minutes, everybody looks like a deer in the headlights and they're terrified. And then we get to laughing and having a good time. And then they find they're sexy and end up with some pretty, pretty beautiful photos. Mm -hmm. I, I just like making people feel good. 
and using my photography to do that is just, that's my favorite. And well, it's, it's an extraordinary gift to be able to give people a picture of themselves that they may not be able to see. And you're reflecting back the beauty that you see in another human being that, I mean, often we don't ever get that reflected back. And I think that's a wonderful gift to be able to give to people is a different picture of themselves that's so positive and so affirming. I think that's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not surprised that, that, you know, you have this thing for taking pictures of people in their underwear because I remember <laughs> somewhere along the past that Leah did an incredible fundraising thing that involved being in your underwear doing some sort of athletic activity. What was that? Well, it's called the Cupid's Undie Run, and it's in D.C., and it's to raise money for children with tumors. And so you run around D.C. in the middle of February in your underwear. I participated about three years in a row, and it was my favorite event. I'm a bit of an exhibitionist. (laughs) I don't really like clothes all that much. (laughs) Yeah, but D.C. in February, that's pretty cold. It was really cold, and I'm not a big fan of being cold, <laughs> so I suffered greatly for the cause. <laughs> so do you remember you know, how much money you were able to raise? I do not, but I, I do know that it was in the thousands. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I know I contributed to that. There's one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, and this was one of the things that along the, the course of our friendship just... I thoroughly enjoyed and appreciated and valued, and I kind of miss, and that was Leah's booty program. Ah, oh, yes. Yes, I did have that, didn't I? You did. What prompted you to create that, and, and what was it specifically? It Well, my butt used to have its own Facebook page. And <laughs> <laughs> now, that I didn't know, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, it was great when I created it. It kept saying, so-and-so likes Leah's butt. So-and-so likes Leah's butt. I was like, this is so great. (laughs) But off of that, it spurned a lot of questions on how to build a butt. And uh, so I put out a six-week program on uh, booty exercises. It went over pretty well. It's been a little while since I did that, but yeah, it was good. Would you offer it again if uh, people were interested? If the demand arises, I would absolutely do it. Well, that's great. I'm I'm going to encourage people who might be interested in building <laughs> a better butt, and that that means like a nice muscular butt to yes. uh, to contact you. All right, and then maybe they could have a page, a Facebook page for their own butt. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) I I do remember that program. I think I did a lot of step-ups and lunges and stuff with that. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Okay. So just to wrap up for today, I just want to ask you if you can share, like, the three things that you're most grateful for. Three things I'm most grateful for. Well, number one would be Jason. Number two, say my puppy dogs. <laughs> and uh-huh. yes. And number three is my voice. That, and my, I see, I can't narrow it down to three because I am so grateful for everything in my life. I'm such a lucky person. I just, I can't even narrow it down to three. It's just, just all of my angels and just all the love that surrounds me. I just, I'm so grateful for it. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Leah, it has been just a ton of fun to talk with you and really dive into what your journey has been like and hear about how you've encountered and created some pretty challenging things and actually navigated through them and just developed more power, more courage, and more influence. You know, I I love that you're 
so called to help people and you know that you're taking something that a lot of people could have really been stumped and stymied by and chosen to hide from and you're turning that into a really powerful message to help other people create some self-acceptance and to develop confidence in them. I, I just love what you're doing and I can't wait to see you know, how that grows and develops and see what you come up with next. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. I love you. Oh, I love you too. I'm so glad that you agreed to come on my podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been fun. Well, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you. Well, you can email me at findingbeautiful11 at gmail, or you can find me on Facebook, Leah Van Hoos, and find me on Instagram, Leah Sells Dreams, Finding Beautiful Photography. I'm sure Cynthia will be posting all of the links. I will. If, yes. If you need to reach out, if you just need a little love and support, go ahead and reach out to me. I'll help you out. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, Leah. This has just been an awesome conversation. Yeah. So that's it for this week. Stay safe and be a badass. You've been listening to the Born to be a Badass podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode and be sure to share it with your friends. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and a review. Tune in regularly for more exciting insights and wisdom on women, violence, and safety. And until next time, embrace your inner badass.